Hey guys, what's up? Uh, new episode, season 3, episode 14. Uh, we continue with appeals. So today we're gonna call, we're gonna talk about potential claims and case studies. And as always, welcome to Red Podcast. Uh, if it's your first time listening, then thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you. So on uh, one issue relating to access to care is difficulty in providing an injury connection to service. Uh, one of the you know main elements to prove your case. And uh, PTSD can take many years to manifest, and uh, of course you have that uh, amount of time to file. It's better to file in the first year when you get out or when you're still in, when you're about to get out. And the many hurdles, bureaucracy, rules, regulations, procedures, and paperwork can be, uh, can be difficult to overcome. And a veteran claiming disability must file a lot of administrative forms. Even though there are uh, much less right now and it's all online, it still uh, might be confusing. Yeah, especially if you've ever gone on e-benefits. And it's not because of e-benefits is bad, it's actually an amazing site. It's just because, you know, with the time uh, that it started from, uh, you know, one form and then it uh, gradually became something else, but there is a logic behind it. It's just, uh, you know, not uh, always so easily understandable, you know, from civilian point of life. Definitely. So the district court for the Northern District of California noted that uh, because of the limited formal education of the majority of uh, recent veterans, many had difficulty applying for and ultimately receiving the benefits to which they were legally entitled. To be more specific, 82% of Army personnel deployed uh, have a high school diploma or less, and 89% of the Marines deployed have a high school diploma or less. So let's uh, go into the topic. So a veteran may appeal by filing a notice of disagreement. The notice of disagreement allows veterans to appeal the doctor's uh, determination about whether benefits are needed to the Board of Veterans Appeals. The, the Board of Veterans Appeals then issues a decision. Following an unfavorable decision by the BVA, the veteran may appeal to the United States Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims and Article 1 of the court. A veteran can pursue f uh, further appellant review to the United States Court of Appeals for, for the Federal Court Circuit and ultimately to the United States Supreme Court. Most cases do not reach beyond the BVA level as many veterans give up their claims after long delays and those veterans who choose to further appeal the decision may face obstacles in addition to even longer delays. 
simply reaching the BVA level can take years and that is definitely true here in California. The CAVC has historically set aside over three-fourths of the BVA decisions that it reviews on, reviews on merit. It is also almost impossible to appeal a decision on factual findings from the CAVC to the federal court. As the federal circuit has held that, except as related to constitutional issues, it does not have jurisdiction over the factual determinations in the CAVC's decisions. Yeah, so... Um, it's a little harder. It is. Now you're just arguing the law, not necessarily the, the facts of the case. So the, uh, there are different types of potential claims. Uh, uh, the first one is the Administrative Procedure Act. The Administrative Procedure Act, the APA, establishes a judicial remedy for unreasonable delays in, ac in agency action. Section 706 of the APA provides for judicial review of agency actions, giving reviewing courts the power to compel agency action unlawfully withheld or unreasonably delayed. Section 704 of the APA states, however, that only an agency action may made reviewable by statute and final agency action for which there is no other adequate remedy in a court are subject to judicial review. Therefore, in the context of challenging a veteran's inability to access mental health care through the VA, a plaintiff would have to establish both that the VA agency action was final and that the veteran had no other adequate remedy in a court in order to, for the district court to provide judicial review based on a waiver of sovereign immunity. So, second one, the constitutional right to due process. The Fifth Amendment to the United States Constitution requires due process of law for any proceeding that denies a citizen life, liberty, or property. In this author's opinion, viewing entitlement to health care services as a property, veterans enrolled in VA health care may argue that the VA deprives them of property by denying care or delaying care to a point that the care is efficiently denied. To having stand for such a claim, a veteran must first show that he or she has suffered particularized harm that affects him or her in a personal and individual way. So mental health is a big one. Yeah, it's very vague, but you need a lot of uh, lawyer time to do that. Uh, the third one is medical malpractice. Experiencing a delay in care may be framed as, as the tort claim of medical malpractice under state law, with the harm being based on the worsening of a veteran's condition. A medical malpractice, malpractice claim typically requires a plaintiff to prove, number one, the existence of a provider-patient relationship, two, that the health care provider violated the applicable standard of care and there, thereby breached the duty to the patient, example, for failing to provide care. Number three, the violation of that duty caused the plaintiff legally uh, considerable damage in that, number four, the causal the casual relationship exists between the violation and the alleged harm. A key difference between medical malpractice and an ordinary negligence claim is that the duty violated arises specifically from the relationship between the healthcare professional and the patient. This author notes, however, that a veteran filing a claim about initial difficulties in scheduling an appointment 
might have little to no evidence regarding the existence of a doctor-patient relationship, precisely because they have yet to see a provider. However, a veteran may also bring medical malpractice claim alleging violation of a hospital's duty rather than a provider. Um, so today, we, today we're also going to go into the case studies, uh, like in the specific cases that would uh, prove that point of view. So the first one is um, Veterans for Common Sense versus uh, Shinseki and Anestis versus United States. So also known as uh, Veterans for Common Sense versus uh, Shinseki. Two veteran adv advocacy organizations, Veterans for Common Sense, VCS, and Veterans United for Truth, sued the VA in 2008 for delays in both in adjudicating benefit appeals and providing mental health care. They brought this suit in the United States District Court for the Northern District of California and sought de uh, declaratory and injunctive relief, claiming that the manner in which the VA provides mental health care and disability benefits violated both statutory and, and constitutional rights. The District Court found for the VA on all claims, VCS appealed to the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit which affirmed the district court's conclusion that the VA's regional office procedures satisfied due process and further held that the district court did not have jurisdiction to reach the remaining issues. The Supreme Court denied VCS's petition for a centauri. In reaching its conclusion, the Ninth Court uh, Circuit dis decided that under the VJRA, the District Court lacked jurisdiction to consider VCS's various claims for relief relating to the VA's provision of mental health care, including its challenge to the lack of procedures by which veterans could appeal the VA's administrative scheduling decisions. The Ninth, the ninth Court reasoned that there was no way for the District Court to resolve whether the VA acted in a timely and effective manner in regard to the provision of mental health care without touching on benefit decisions. It would have to evaluate the circumstances of individual veterans and the required and the request for treatment and determine whether the VA had handled those requests properly. However, a dissenting opinion concluded that the majority's interpretation of the VJRA Section 511 has nearly universe, universal sweat, sweep and thus uh, precluded any federal court from determining whether the VA properly handled requests for treatment. The Ninth, the Ninth Circuit construed a definite. The Ninth Court Circuit construed a definition of benefit that did not distinguish between a disability benefit determination and provision of mental health care. The court said that mental health care and disability compensation are both clearly benefits. So any question of fact or law that affects the provision of these benefits by the secretary falls under the ambient of the VJRA section. 511. The court cited the definition of benefit as any payment, service, or status entitlement to which it is determined under the laws administered by the VA pertaining to veterans and their dependents and survivors. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, second one, Anestis uh, versus United States. Uh, so after his deployment to Iraq for about nine months, Marine Cameron Anestis returned home to Lexington, Kentucky in April 2009. On, Ag on August 17, 2009, 
Mr. Anesti's parents urged him to seek medical treatment at the local VA hospital after he emotionally described a traumatic incident to to them, which apparently involved two children, uh, two children's deaths. He went to the uh, VA clinic, uh, uh, one of four divisions of the Lexington VA Medical Center, and uh, he uh, recounted traumatic experience in Iraq to the intake clerk, who noted that he was in a disturbed mental state and might be suicidal. However, Mr. Anestis seemed not to be enrolled for VA health benefits. In accordance with the facility's operation, operating procedures, the clerk referred Mr. Anestis to the Copper Division of the Lexington VA system where, where he could properly enroll for benefits and access emergency care. He then traveled to the Copper Division where he was also turned away because he did not have his DD-214 with them. Mr. Anessis then went home to find the form. Unable to find it, he became enraged, physically assaulting his wife and threatening to kill her before he shot himself. Under the Federal Tort Claim Act, Mr. Anessis's widow, Tiffany, sued the United States for medical malpractice in the United States District Court for the Eastern District of Kentucky, contending that the VA had a duty to treat Mr. Anessis when he presented himself at their Kentucky facilities with an emergent condition. The Eastern District of Kentucky granted the United States motion to dismiss on the grounds that the VJRA deprived of its jurisdiction to hear the claim. On, the, on appeal, the United States Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit held that the VJRA applied only to benefit determinations as is the decision of Le uh, Lexington and Copper VA clinics did not constitute a benefits determination, the VJRA did not deprive federal court of jurisdiction over Mr. Ernest's claim. And analyzing whether Section 511A of the VJRA precludes federal courts from determining whether the VA properly handled requests for treatment, the Sixth Circuit noted that the DC Circuit had rejected any implication that all actions or inactions by the VA represents a type of service, and concluded that it had jurisdiction over Tiffany and Anesta's case because it did not involve a review of benefit determination. The reasoning was that Tiffany and Anestis did not challenge the VA's decision and actions regarding her husband's application for benefits or his, or his eligibility or enrollment status. She did not argue that he had that he should have been eligible for VA, VA benefits. Rather, she asserted that in turning him away from the VA when he was in a state of emergency, the VA violated its duty as a hospital, irrespective of his status as a veteran. As the, as the Sixth Circuit noted, VA policy at the time required its facilities to provide medical care to anyone in urgent need of assistance, even if the individual was ineligible for benefits or did not present a hard copy of his DD-214, or was not even a veteran. Mrs. Anestis argued that the VA violated standard of medical care and, and its own policies by refusing treatment when Cameron presented himself at two VA facilities in a state of emergency. Thus, her claim did not require review of any benefit determination. The Sixth Circuit distinguished the plaintiff's claim and Anestis from the Veterans for Common Sense result resolving confusion regarding how to apply the reasoning for, 
from Veterans for Common Sense case and Anestis. The Sixth, the Sixth Circuit held that BCS claim was like the one in Beeman versus Brown because the district court clearly would have needed to review a benefit determination in order to reach a decision. The Sixth Circuit uh, contrasted the fact that pattern with that an Anestis concluding that an adjudication Tiffany Anessa's claim did not require the court to review the VA secretary determination of benefits and was not a claim invoking benefits masked in tort language. The Sixth Circuit expressly rejected the United States argument that despite the fact that the claim and Anessa's were labeled as torts, they involved a benefit determination because Tiffany Anessa's claimed the VA had failed to adhere to their internal policies when Cameron Anessa's sought treatment. The court explained that under such an, ex an expansive interpretation of benefit determinations, a person could never sue the VA in federal court district for failure to provide medical treatment, such as an interpretation would be overboard. Yeah, so let's now compare, uh, uh, make a comparison between veterans for common sense and anesthesia. So, Veterans for Common Sense evolved claims based on the APA and Due Process Clause of the Fifth Amendment of the United States Constitution that address system-wide problems in the VA administration rather than individual veterans. In, contra in contrast, Anestis presented a medical malpractice claim under the FTCA that was based on an individual veteran's experience with a VA facility that obliged to abide by the laws of the state wherein, wherein it was located. Reviewing these cases together suggests that if a veteran's eligibility for benefits in the form of medical care is not a material question of fact, the veteran may be able to sue the VA in federal court for his or her inability to access care through tort claims such as medical malpractice. However, Veterans for Common Sense shows that it will be difficult to prevail on a claim based on the Fifth Amendment without asserting harms to individual veterans. Furthermore, under the Ninth Circuit's opinion in Veterans for Common Sense, the VJRA seems to insulate the VA from the APA-based liability in federal court for unreasonable delays because it precludes federal courts others other than the CAVC from making an initial, an initial determination about agency adjudications re, uh, regarding benefit eligibility. The distinction between the cases that the VJRA does or does not preclude from federal court review lies in whether the failure or denial of treatment resulted from a decision by the VA or was the result of the VA's negligence in failing to abide by a legal duty. Independent of benefit determinations, anesthesia involves the latter. It was based on standards of care that govern medical facilities in Kentucky. The federal court would not have jurisdiction over cases like Veterans for Common Sense, which Sixth Circuit described as clearly involving challenging the VA's decision to deny, delay, reduce, or administer benefits. Analysis of these cases demonstrates that the federal court cannot compel VA action to remedy systematic access problems based on APA claims. In Veterans for Common Sense, the Fifth Amendment claim was decided in favor of the VA and it is unlikely that an opposite decision will be reached in, f in future cases. The federal court may decide in favor of individual plaintiffs in medical malpractice suits based on inability to timely access appropriate mental health care, but it is 
a re retrospective action that may not take place until an affected veteran has worsened or died. Many veterans and their families do not have the means to bring private action even if they are statutorily entitled to more, uh, to more care or higher quality care than they receive, which limits their access to, to uh, judicial remedies because they are not entitled to the lawyers in civil cases. Thus, veterans may have very limited prospects for judicial remedies outside the VA system and the CAVC for their inability to timely access appropriate medical care. Yeah, pretty much on this podcast, we are talking now about the higher uh, option as to um, uh, get your claim forward. So if you were denied on a local level and the VA and then uh, uh, you went to the BVA, so there is a higher uh, level of review and that wouldn't this would apply not only uh, to VA but it would apply to the whole country yeah you know having a constitution as a supreme law and uh, supreme court as the uh, law body to interpret the law uh, those two that uh, you know can also uh, decide your case but uh, as uh, the podcast concludes so the there is a very tiny amount of the families and uh, people who actually can uh, uh, move their case that much uh, further uh, with uh, by their own means. Uh, hopefully, they get help by uh, some uh, ONGs that can provide a lawyer to do that. But otherwise, uh, those uh, those you know roads of uh, to adjudicate your claim and to get your uh, claim format are very limited, yeah, limited a, to a small percentage. That's a very thin road you got to go down. Um, that's it guys for this. Uh, today is a difficult podcast, I guess, as a topic. And uh, as always, Joe, do you have any book, uh, great movie or stuff to do you would recommend? Yeah, Rick and Morty Season 4 came out, so you guys need to jump on that and be a part of it. It's awesome. And uh, to conclude the podcast, a call to action, a quote of what the words of wisdom of the day. Live for something rather than die for nothing. Uh, said by George Patton. That's it, folks. Thanks for listening. Until next time, over and out. Thank you.